Welcome to the Heartland Community Church Podcast with part two in the series, The Jesus I Wish You Knew. Today's message by Steve Carter is titled, Jesus All In. Hey Heartland, Steve Carter here, and today we are in week two of The Jesus I Wish You Knew. Now, here's the thing, you're probably wondering, why are we at a poker table? I will get to that. But I need to take you back, and I need you to understand, oftentimes when we think about Jesus, uh, the words that come to our mind uh, based on the examples that we see from people who somehow carry the name, we, we find ourselves thinking like, gosh, they're, they're a bit hypocritical. Uh, they're a bit judgmental. They're a bit kind of people who just kind of convey a bunch of shame. And yet, when you look at the scriptures, One of the gospel writers, uh, John, writes these words about Jesus. And it simply says, verse 14, the word became flesh. So this idea is that like the word of God became flesh. Now to the Hebrew people, like the, the idea of the word was everything. And this represented the first five books of the Bible. And so what John is saying here is that this man, Jesus, is like the Torah, the first five books of the Bible in the flesh. And the Torah was known as like how to walk in step and in tune and in like harmony with the divine. And so what this writer John is saying is that Jesus, Jesus is like the example. Jesus is going to show us what God is all about. So like the Torah becomes flesh. And then it says this, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. So we've seen what he's all about. The glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. I love that. Uh, Eugene Peterson, he wrote the the message version of the Bible, and he said that Jesus, full of grace and truth, moved into the neighborhood. And I love this because our responsibility is to be people who carry the fullness of grace and truth in every interaction that we have. But here's the problem. Oftentimes, we often maybe carry the fullness of grace or maybe a sense of grace and a whole bunch of judgment or a sense of truth and a whole bunch of shame. And the truth is when we find ourselves living as the people of Jesus, we ought to be people who come in the fullness of grace and truth. And when you flip through the gospels, You flip through the four books that tell the story of Jesus. Jesus has these interactions. It doesn't matter if it's a child. It doesn't matter if it's a woman at the well. It doesn't matter if it's a woman who's caught in adultery. It doesn't matter if it's a religious leader. Jesus comes in the fullness of grace and truth. And friends, this this is a lost art. I mean, we, we don't see this. We don't see this actually taking place. And when, when I look at the life of Jesus, Jesus was someone who sat at the right hand of the Father. He, he, he was this like citizen of heaven who, who literally came to this earth to showcase what the kingdom of God, what heaven was all about. And what's heaven all about? Grace and truth. In many ways, Jesus was like this example, this picture of what heaven is to be. And so Jesus came almost as like this, this ambassador from one world to another to kind of represent 
what heaven is all about. I I love the idea of this word ambassador because when you find yourself kind of getting curious about companies, you begin to see that uh, whether it's Nike and LeBron James, uh, whether it's Joanna Gaines with Magnolia, uh, whether it's Jerry Seinfeld with American Express, whether it's Taylor Swift with Diet Coke, or Matthew McConaughey with like Lincoln. I don't know if you saw this a number of years ago, but like Matthew McConaughey became the brand ambassador for Lincoln. And he began to be the person who was like highlighting the MKC, which was their SUV. And these commercials, they were terrible. I mean, they're literally terrible. It was McConaughey driving with perfect hair and he's driving in in, in an SUV and he literally would have these like McConaughey-isms where he basically would look into the camera like I'm looking into the camera and simply say, sometimes you gotta go backwards before you can go forward. And then it would show the MKC and people lost their minds. There wasn't one where like Matthew Ghana is driving and he stopped in the road and there's a big bull in the middle of the road and he looks at it and he goes, look at that thing. Sometimes you just gotta go around the bull. I don't even know what he's talking about, but here's what I'll tell you. I don't know how much Lincoln paid Matthew McConaughey, but in September, the month before these commercials aired, they sold 1,763 MKCs. The next month after they showcase Matthew McConaughey in his one-liners, sometimes you gotta go backwards before you can go forwards. They sold 2,197 MKCs. It's an increase of 434 vehicles in one month. It's upwards up to 25% increase in one month. And if an MKC is worth $40,000 on like, and I'm going below average, times that by 434, in one month, MKC or Lincoln made over $17 million. Why? Because they had this ambassador, this brand ambassador, who literally took the values and the ethos of Lincoln and tried to get that to the rest of the world, and people bought it. And and so this is what Jesus is. Jesus is like this ambassador, the citizen of heaven who's here, who's trying to showcase what it means to live in step and in tune and in harmony with the good, good Father. And what is it about? It's about grace and truth. And I don't think there's a more beautiful word than the word grace. Grace is something that you can't achieve. Grace is something you can only receive. Grace is something that you have to find yourself recognizing like, it's for me. And this is what Jesus did with his life, going to the cross, taking all of the places of our story that were less than and saying, let me take it for you so that you can live freely and lightly. Jesus was about grace, but he was also about truth. And let's just get something really really clear here. We are in a fight for truth. Right now, everyone's got their truth. And sometimes when we talk about truth, it really divides us. But let's be honest. Jesus found himself interacting with people at the well, interacting with people along the road, interacting with people who were wildly different from him. He had his truth. 
but he also could understand other people. And when he came in the fullness of grace and truth, sometimes they seem at odds, but for Jesus, he was able to do it. So the question becomes, how? How was he able to do this? I want to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And Paul, he's writing to this church in Corinth. In Corinth, Corinth, like the closest city that you could actually think about Corinth would be Vegas, which is probably why I got a poker table. And people would say back in the ancient days that whenever they were going to go to Corinth, they had a phrase. They would say, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Let's go Corinthianize, which basically meant let's go get lost in Corinth. Let's do whatever we want to do. And so there's this little church, and a church in Corinth was like a little colony of heaven filled with ambassadors, filled with citizens of heaven, people who were trying to live out grace and truth. But let's just get something really clear. It was a train wreck. Many had people suing each other. You had all of this dysfunction and brokenness uh, sexually. I mean, it was an absolute mess. And Paul writes and he begins to speak, bringing grace and bringing truth. But here's the thing. At the very end of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says something. And he says these words. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. I want to remind you of good news. I preached to you when you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. And then he says this, for what I received, I passed on to you as matters of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the 12. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me. This is Paul writing. Also as to one abnormally born. So here's the thing. Paul's saying, yeah, there's all of this craziness that's happening in Corinth. There's all of this craziness that's happening within the local church. But let me tell you, can I tell you something? There's something that's even bigger than that. And it's matters of first importance. See, friends, sometimes we get truth and we get it all kind of just messy. For Paul, he was able to see. For Jesus, he was able to hold grace and truth. They weren't at odds. They were actually part of the same conversation. And so I was with Ed Dobson. Uh, he recently died a few years ago of ALS, but he was an amazing man, an amazing pastor. When I was a young pastor, I, I walked up to him one time and we were about ready to, to go out on the lake. And I said, hey, how do you kind of fight for grace and truth in a, in a, when there's so many cultural things going on. And I remember, he said, you have your Bible. I said, yeah. He goes, open up to 1 Corinthians 15. And he just read it. And then he saw that I had a note card in my Bible and he goes, give me a pen. And on this note card, you know what he does? He draws a triangle. And he creates these like lines within the triangle like this. As you can tell, I'm not an artist. My wife is, I'm not. But I will sign this just so you can see. And the top of the triangle, 
he writes an A, the middle he writes a B, and at the very bottom he writes a P. So A, B, P. And at the top he talks about absolute truth. And he goes, this is what Paul was talking about when he talks about matters of first importance. That Christ died. He died for our sins, that he was buried. Three days later, he rose again. Then he appeared to 500 plus people. Later on in, in chapter 15, it says he, he's ascended into heaven. The second thing he said is, is that we also have these, these beliefs. Like you have beliefs. You have beliefs about the way the world should work. You, you have beliefs about the economy. You have beliefs um, about a myriad of different issues in our world. And then you also have preferences. You have things that you prefer, like I prefer the Cubs over the White Sox. I prefer the University of Michigan over Ohio State. I prefer a certain sound when it comes to worship. I have preferences. And he said, here's the problem. And this is what Jesus was so good at, is Jesus understood what was absolutely true. It was his mission, why he came to this earth to live to teach, to die for our sins, to go to the cross, to be buried, to rise again. But the problem is, is oftentimes many of us take our beliefs and our preferences and we begin to move them and speak about them like they're literally absolutes. And for Jesus, there wasn't. See, in Jesus' mind, the absolutes were his mission and the fact of the two greatest commandments, which was to love God and to love your neighbor. And so when Jesus lives with grace and truth, the truth was he understood what the absolutes were. Love God, love your neighbor. He understood what the absolutes were, his mission. And he understood that every person he was interacting with had beliefs and had preferences. And too often, whether it was religious leaders or it was different people, the tendency is to move those preferences and make them absolutes. And Jesus was like, nope, nope, nope. No, but here's the question. In a world where we struggle at interacting with one another, the question becomes, how did Jesus do it so well? How did he live with grace and truth? And this is why I bring you to a poker table. Now, if you're like me, you love sports, and you go on ESPN, and you are looking for a great game. And a few years ago, I was tuning on ESPN, it was late at night, and I saw poker. Let's just get one thing straight. Poker's not a sport. Why is it on ESPN? And the next night, another game of poker. And I found people were so fascinated by this game and I couldn't understand why is it on ESPN? And so I'm a researcher, I love to study. I was like, there's gotta be a sermon in here. And so I began to read everything I could about poker. Now. Again, I'm not trying to say anything about gambling, so don't email me. Email Parks. And here's, here's, here's what I want you to see is that there's a bigger example. And this is what great poker players do. And I actually think this is what Jesus does. So for instance, let's say I'm the dealer, right? And there's a few people in the hand. And so all of a sudden, you deal in this game called Hold'em. And I look at my cards, and let's say I got pocket aces, which in this game is the best two cards you can be dealt. But here's the crazy thing, is as I started studying this, I realized sometimes people are given these two cards 
and they still lose. They still lose the hand. And you ask yourself, how is that possible? The problem is, is sometimes people are unaware that these cards, they matter, but there's more things going on. It's like Transformers theology. The truth is that there are other people that are in the hand. And depending on these other people that are in the hand, you're not just playing your cards, you're actually playing these people. And you gotta recognize that it's not just you playing these people and these cards that are in your hand, you actually have a specific position at the table. And the truth is, it's not just the cards that you have in your hand or the people that are in the hand or the position that you have at the table. It's also the chips. See, sometimes you might have great cards, but you don't have very many chips. Sometimes you might have bad cards and you've got stacks on stacks of chips. And here's what I've come to realize is Jesus, <laughs> Jesus walked into every conversation with grace and truth. He had pocket aces. He knew what his life was. He knew what he was here for. But he might be interacting with the woman at a well. He might be interacting with the religious leader. He might be interacting with the child. And he recognized that each of these people had a unique ache, a unique struggle, a unique desire, a specific stronghold in their life. And he just said, okay, well, how are these going to speak to them? And then he had to honestly ask himself, What's my position in their life? Do they see me as an authority figure? Do they see me as a rabbi? Do they see me as someone who actually is the son of God? How do they see me? And some people did. Some people didn't know who he was. Some people did not even like him. And he had to understand that I'm coming in grace and truth, but it matters on the people and it matters on my position. But even farther than that, it matters with how many chips do I have of influence for these people? For the religious leaders, they were like, who is this man? Who is this man? But these children were like, he's a rabbi. He had like high position, chips of influence. For the woman at the well, it was like, this man told me everything. And through the conversation, it was almost as if Jesus was accruing more and more chips. And here's what I've come to realize, friends. In every conversation that you have, as a follower of Jesus, you have pocket aces. Because you know that Jesus came, he died for your sins, that you have received grace, that you have peace, that you are free, that you are unconditionally loved, and you have a truth in which you can live as a child and disciple of one rabbi. And now you walk into Starbucks you walk down the street and you have a conversation with your neighbor. You start to engage with someone over Zoom or in your marketplace or a family member. And here's what I came to realize is, how do we hold these cards of grace and truth? How do we hold these cards known as the name of Jesus well? And here's what I need you to understand. As I've seen a lot of people have these cards and still lose a hand. I've seen a lot of people who say, I'm about Jesus, I'm about grace, I'm about truth, and they just blow up all these relationships. <laughs> when I was in, in, in community college at Grand Rapids, my first day, Grand Rapids Community College, there was a man with a bullhorn and a big sign, and he started taunting people, repent, you're going to hell. And he made one woman cry 
And I was a film guy. I didn't even think I was going to be a pastor. And something came over me to the point that just this holy discontent, well, I ran up to that guy and I stole his sign and I threw it and I took his bullhorn. I ran to another table and I just started preaching. I just started preaching and I said, I'm so sorry. And I'm looking at this girl and I said, I'm so sorry. Jesus came in grace and truth and you are loved. Don't listen to those words of shame. And then, no joke, I hear, boo, boo, boo. And all of a sudden these cops are coming and I'm like, yeah, they're gonna get that guy for you know, not speaking the gospel right. And then they came to me and they're like, did you take that man's sign? I was like, yeah. Did you take his bullhorn? Yeah. We want you to know that you're inciting a riot right now. And I'm like, what? I was like, this is the most amazing thing ever. I'm gonna add that to my LinkedIn account. But I remember like walking away from this moment thinking, oh man, I have these cards and how I play them matters on the people, on their ache, on their struggle, on their desires, on the strongholds that they're having in their life. Just because I have my beliefs or my preferences, no way should I make those absolutes and ever get in the way of the story of grace and truth. But secondly, I gotta understand not just that I have these cards and not just the people that I'm engaging in a conversation with, I gotta be really, really honest with what kind of position do I have in that person's life? I sit on a plane and I'm flying and I'm in like 16E in the middle seat. I start having a conversation with the person on the, on the right side of me. And as we're chatting and chopping it up and talking and having a conversation, they ask the question, what do you do? And sometimes I'll say, oh, I'm, a, I'm a pastor. Sometimes I'll say I'm a teacher. Sometimes I'll say I'm a writer. Anything that's gonna just allow me the position that can keep me in the conversation so that I can play these cards of grace and truth in the best possible way. And friends, you gotta be really, really honest. There's some people in your life, you might have these cards, but your position as a family member, your position in the marketplace, you're not seen with the, the, the eyes of respect. You haven't built that up yet. And so if you just start playing these cards, you might miss a chance. And this is why I think the poker analogy is so important is because the more chips of influence you have, the more opportunity that when you literally have those cards and you see the hand being played and you have a moment where you're like, yes, this is it. I wanna make an invitation for that person to come understand what grace and peace is all about or that moment where you're like, I wanna make that invitation to that family member or that friend to come check out, check out Heartland or, or you have that moment where you're gonna share this service on Facebook or on Instagram and you have that moment where you're gonna talk about your faith because this faith was never meant for us to keep these cards to ourselves of grace and truth. They were meant to go all in. And when you can go all in because you know the person and you understand your position and you've built up all these chips of influence and you play grace and truth, all of a sudden that person sees that you are with them, that you are for them. And that person can feel and experience the goodness of why Jesus came, a good, good savior, to not just rescue them from this world, but to teach them how to be whole, holy, and spiritually healthy. Friends, the Jesus I wish you knew was the kind of person who could talk to anyone, kids, 
religious leaders who had gone astray, women who were caught in adultery, people who were broken, people who were just, just train wrecks. But he held the best cards and he said, nothing, no belief, no personal belief, no personal preference is gonna get in the way of my mission, which is to allow every person to understand what grace and truth is all about and what access to unconditional love is all about. Friends, is there a place in your story where you've been sitting on these cards that you have, you know the people, you know the ache, you have good position, you've built up chips of influence, but you have been afraid to go all in. Maybe this is your week. Or maybe for some of you, you gotta really think about this person that you've been praying that they would receive Jesus, that they would receive grace and truth. You gotta look at your life and go, man, maybe there's more times that I need to just build up some chips of influence before I go all in. But the more that you can do this, the more that you can be aware, the more that you can have one ear to heaven go, God, just lead me, guide me. When you tell me to go all in, I will. The more chances you're gonna see lives changed. The more chances that you're gonna see people actually seeing what grace and truth is all about. And the more chances that people are actually gonna see Jesus alive and at work in and through you. We don't need more people who are making their personal preferences absolutes in the name of Christ. It's disrupting the church. It's disrupting our culture. What we need is people who get back to what the beauty of grace and the beauty of how Jesus chose to live, which was to love God, love your neighbor, and be willing to come to this earth to die and sacrifice for another. Friends, if we can be that heartland, the world will see who Jesus truly is. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for being the kind of God who sent his son, who went all in for us. <laughs> I think about my life. I think about my struggle. I think about my brokenness. And yet you went all in for me. On Good Friday, you went all in. On Easter, you went all in. And you were this picture of grace and truth. And you invite us to do the same. As we head into an election season, there's just so much around truth, so much around fear that's being manipulated. And God, I pray, I pray, I pray that we'd get back to the word. We get back to matters of first importance. We get back to the cards that really matter, the cards of grace and the cards of absolute truth. God, protect us from putting our personal beliefs and our personal preference on the same level as what your son did for us on the same level of what it means to love God and love our neighbor. But God, I pray that all of our ears are wide open to the, to the relationships and the people that you put before us, to the position that you, of influence that you've given us to have in their life and the, those chips of trust. And God, I pray that when you whisper, we will go public, we will go all in because that's what your son did for us. God, I love this church and I love what you're doing at Heartland. May you bless it and keep it. We pray it all in your name. Amen. You've been listening to the message, Jesus All In by Steve Carter, teaching pastor at Heartland Community Church. You can experience the entire service this message came from by going to heartland.cc and clicking on the watch page or on YouTube at Heartland CC Rockford, or you can watch it on the Heartland CC app. Thanks for listening.